0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I am Noah Hiles. I'm Alex Stone, and Alex, welcome to the Big J Journalist Club. Yes, look we'll at uh, that. Yeah. From from. You beat, I got the head start, and you still beat me too. But it feels good to be there. No, I mean, I'm I'm in the newsroom, but you're in the press box. I mean, we're at the race for the blue check mark. Is is really heating up? I mean, you're getting the followers. Obviously, you've passed me in the follower race, but I feel like news people get it a lot fa- earlier than sports people do. Uh, just especially kind of like what the Twitter platform has become, so like news heavy. Um, but yeah, the right ra- the race for the blue check mark has it, it, I mean, it's never been hotter between us. It's 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 really exciting. Um, DK Pittsburgh Sports. A big a big step up. I mean Yeah. And I, I mean people have their opinions on the outlet, on the on the guy who owns it, but say what you want about it. Like I mean it is a very good outlet. If you look at the people who have worked there in the past, a lot of really good names in journalism have had their byline on that website. And the guy who runs it, like I said, people have their opinion on him. He's hands down, I think, one of the most talented writers that's come through Western Pennsylvania and covered pro sports there. So I think this is an awesome opportunity for you. I'm really excited. What's your thoughts on it?
1: I, I'm really excited too. I mean, A, it's it's good to be with a bigger following. And it's been different for me because, I mean, I was at Buck's Toyota, so I know what it's like, you know, for a comment section and stuff. And uh, this, is, this is similar in that regard. But there are people who are, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're Want to get to know me? Want to get to know my writing style? Uh, I'm getting emails from people. I've, I've given multiple suggestions for whiskeys and bourbons because in my uh, oh, bio, yeah, like, <laughs> whatever you want to say about yourself. I'm like, okay, uh, I enjoy whiskeys, and they're like, okay, I like Jameson. What would you recommend? It's like, okay, well,
0: uh, <laughs> anything but that. So, no,
1: Jameson would be good.
0: Um, I appreciate the shout out in your bio. Kind of shout out. You said you're the nerdier half of the River Blast podcast. I don't know what that makes me. But I appreciate putting the podcast in the bio. we um, the big We might have to have Boss Man on one time. We as might a, have to. As a guest. We've yeah. had we've had every other Pirates-related person. I, we haven't had Hunter. And Hunter's cool. I, I would love to have Hunter on as well.
1: Quickly skyrocketing up my list of my favorite people on Earth. Hunter? Because he's helpful so helpful over you, this you mean, first week.
0: You mean Mitch Keller's older brother?
1: I'm sure he loves that joke.
0: Dude, I remember the first time I saw Mitch Keller, like, I was standing next to Hunter, and, like, after it was over, I looked at him, I was like, what's it like to have a younger brother on the Pirates? And he just started laughing. He goes, yeah, it's kind of uncanny how, like, similar we look.
1: You must have gotten... You must have been one of the first people to say that now.
0: Yeah, I mean... Because now...
1: Yeah, yeah, I've heard
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, so, I I mean, yeah, it's got to be a cool opportunity for you. I, I mean, just... Like you said, you're going to start doing stuff on the road next month. Um, that's obviously new for you. And I was talking about it with my dad. I I don't think there's a better fit out there for you right now. Just with what he with what he likes. He's always trying to be you know one step ahead. I think of of the business, and he's getting a guy like you who's very analytical in his writing. And you're all about imagery and everything and graphs and charts and everything. I think that that's right up his alley as far as talent that he would be interested in. And you're an online writer. That's an online site. You're kind of the new age person that fits his new age format. I think it's a match made in heaven um, or a match made in get-go. There's a free plug for him. So uh, there we go. I, I mean, I, I'm excited. I know that I'll be subscribing. I, that's enough free press for him. I, I and again, I have nothing against the guy. I I I think he's very talented. I have numerous family members that subscribe to his site and I, I will be subscribing to read your content there. I'm very very happy and excited for you, Alex. Ninety-nine cents for the first month. There we go. It's worth every penny.
1: That's
0: right. Alright, so let's talk about let's talk less about you and more about the pirates, at least for now. Um I I sent you the list. We're just gonna go right down it. Let's do it. When your team is in last place, the team that you're talking about, uh, you don't really need to go in order. You can kind of just bounce all over the map. So Josh Bell is where we're going to start. Josh Bell, this week, since we've last recorded, it's been a while, been about two weeks now, um, eclipsed 30 home runs, eclipsed 100 RBIs, uh, has become the single-season record holder for most home runs by a switch hitter. Overall, uh, Alex, what do you give Josh Bell's grade on this season? Forget the month of September. Let's just assume, you know, he he continues at this pace he's at now. He might hit, you know, he might drive in 10 more runs, might hit two or three more homers in September. uh, Overall, what letter grade do you give Josh Bell? Well, I
1: I was hoping he'd hit a little more than that. But overall, I'd give this year an Mm -hmm. I think for, for just, you know... That torrid first three months of the season, and then yeah, he did really cool off. I think he might have been overworked. I think he had a, a hard time adjusting. I think these last couple of weeks we've seen closer to the Josh Bell of old, and by a vote I mean of, of May. Maybe not that quite strong, but you know he's he's been a real force in the lineup again. Whenever he stepped up to the plate last night on Monday night, I guess I should say in Philadelphia in that one run game, I thought to myself he's gonna. He's going to tie this game up. And that's something I hadn't thought about Josh Bell in a couple weeks. So, overall, this has been a very streaky year. I think the glove is still really bad. But, overall, I think he'll finish with about three war overall. And with almost all of that coming from offense, and the Pirates need offense going forward. So, yeah, I, I think this is an A-minus year for him. He was an impact player, and he was a really good hitter.
0: I agree. I think A-minus is fair. Um I think for Josh Bell's standards coming into this year, this year's an A plus. I, I mean no one expected that Josh Bell to be the player that he is this year. That that he has been. And I, I I mean you talked about fatigue. I honestly believe that the all-star break, I'm not gonna sit here and say the home run derby ruined him, but I just think he was he was such an active figure. During All Star Weekend, he had a lot of press opportunities that he took advantage of, um, and that's what happens when Scott Boris is your agent. You know, you're gonna you're gonna be in front of the cameras, and that stuff is draining. When everyone else is, when ninety percent of the league's on a beach somewhere or with their family and getting nine ten hours of sleep, when you're you know answering the same. 10, 11 questions all over again. And then he competed in the Home Run Derby. And then he started in the All-Star Game. And he's flying back and forth. I know it's just Cleveland to Pittsburgh. It's not that far. But I think that did wear him down a little bit. I do think that's fair. Um, you look at what he did in May and you compare it to the other months. Obviously, that's going to be his best month. But have the other months come close? April, yes. July, early July, he showed signs of it. Overall, not really. So that's what I'm kind of concerned. Next year, I don't see Josh Bell hitting a, a batting average over 260. I do think the power is sustainable, though, just with the way. I mean, everyone's hitting home runs. Everyone is hitting home runs. Um, and I, th- I, I, I get reassurance in Josh Bell from the success other Pirates have had as well. Because it just shows that this isn't just one guy figuring it out on his own. It shows that they have a good foundation of offense uh, where, you know, you can trust the hitting coaches and the the philosophy is, is reliable and it'll work out for him. You can rely on Josh Bell. We talked about at the beginning of this year, there was not a lot of reliable spots on the team you couldn't look at certain you couldn't look very at very many places on the diamond and say we can rely on this to happen it was kind of i hope this goes well it could go very poorly we don't really know and uh josh bell i think you can you can rely on him to have a solid power year for years to come
1: yeah and even if he's not going to be I, – I, maybe he flew a little too close to the sun with that, you know, OPS well over 1,000. Yeah. But if his OPS is somewhere in the 900s, yeah, that, that could work. That's really, really good. I mean, this year he's on pace to be – it's either the 11th or 12th player in baseball history to hit 40 home runs as a switch hitter.
0: Yeah.
1: A season, not even players. Like three or four of them are Mickey Mantle and Lance Bergman has a couple. Like they're – you don't have to take
0: off
1: shoes to, you know, see what he's get about to do this year. This has been a great year. This is the year that people were hoping Josh Bell could one one day be whenever he came up in 2016. That is really good. And it's, you know, something that the Pirates desperately need. They don't have a lot of power in this lineup. Even someone like Brian Reynolds, who has been a fantastic hitter all year, he he'd be lucky if he finishes with twenty home runs. He'd really have to surge at the end. To get the 20.
0: You, I mean, this is the player the Pirates have desperately wanted for years. I mean, when when the wave of McCutcheon and Walker, oh, say that again. This is the season they
1: wanted Pedro to be.
0: Yeah, and Pedro, they, what maybe two years? Yeah, and that that's exactly it. And I remember that's this is the type of player the Pirates when that wave of McCutcheon, Pedro, you know, Marte, Garrett, Cole, Neil Walker, all those guys were coming up at the same time. Y- you needed that power that slugger and Pedro kind of was that he was that for a year a year and a half and it just came it came in waves and it was the good times boy were they fun but the bad times I mean you couldn't sit down the first baseline because you might be killed by one of his throws so Josh Bell also throwing problems but they already got the first base issue result like they put him in the position where he has to throw the least but this is exciting it's exciting to have a player. Now, I will say, I cannot remember the last time the guys hit a home run to right field. That's a little concerning for me. Uh, that is. I, I mean, I you pull the ball, pull the ball, but I guess when you're that freaking big and you're that strong, and the baseballs are flying off the bats like they are for whatever reason this year, wink. Uh, it doesn't matter how the ball leaves the yard. If it leaves the yard, it, it it's four bases. It's one run. Sometimes more if there's people on base. So good for Josh Bell. I'm good to see I'm glad to see he didn't completely bottom out. I'm glad to see this wasn't a McCutcheon twenty twelve second half or you know post all-star break where just everything kind of fell apart. A guy who you know, 2012 McCutcheon was a surefire MVP until he just vanished for all games in the second half aside from one when he hit that walk-off against the Reds, like in the last week of the year. But you know, I'm I'm glad to see Josh Bell kind of putting it together a little bit toward the end and rounding out what's been a career year for him and a career year for Pirates hitters' history. I mean, he's he's throwing his name in that in the same conversation with guys like Star Joel, guys like Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds. That's that's exciting stuff for this Pirates team.
1: We had you laid out uh, the episode when you text me, in. I kind of want to deviate a bit from it because you did the ball nudge nudge wink wink but i kind of want to talk about that for a
0: second what do you got because
1: last week the pirates set a record for the most home runs they have ever allowed in a season pitching yes it's august and you think well they're way up there in you know a home run leader total no they were actually pretty close to middle of the pack like barely above average Meredith Wills uh, wrote something for The Athletic where she proved that this is not the same baseball that it was in 2018. No. Can the Pirates, it, this is a team that, you know, with Archer
0: and Musgrove and entering the year tie-on. And, Williams. You know, yeah. This
1: was supposed to be a pitching team. Just your two cents, real fast, rapid fire. Can the Pirates
0: compete with the pitching staff in a juice ball? I mean, does it matter if the ball's juiced or not? I mean, I, this year would show no. This year would show no. But I'll say this Can the Pirates compete with a pitching staff with a juiced ball? Maybe. Can the Pirates compete with a pitching staff with a juiced ball with Ray Searage, as the coach has said, pitching staff and their philosophy of pitching to contact when the baseball is clearly doctored up? They're, I mean, it's a Super Bowl, Alex. Like, it's you remember those bouncy balls?
1: contact as much as they used to. I, I I wrote a big thing for the point of Pittsburgh. They're, They're still
0: doing football. it more than other teams. They're still throwing more two seamers than our teams, aren't they? It's it's pretty average now. Actually
1: whenever I wrote the
0: piece, it was
1: technically below league average. It was one in one.
0: Okay. Then I, I guess I retract my statement then. I don't know. I, I just I <laughs> Something's got to change philosophy-wise, because you can't just have... I mean, the pitching staff that they had last year was really good, and then there's got to be some reason why it's just so bad this year, and it can't just all be the baseballs. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I mean, like I said, those baseballs... The portion of it is. Yeah. And, I mean, during All-Star Weekend, during... 50% because of the juice baseball. You think... How Say that again? I, I think it's going to be 50 at 50%. the end of the year. 50%. Wow
1: number fifty. Hmm. That ball is different this year compared to last year, and, and that's they, not even taking how the ball is different in 2018 compared to 2014.
0: And don't get me wrong, I'm pro juice baseball. I love, I love it. I hope it is juice, and I, I love to see it. Home runs are awesome. Uh, it makes the game exciting, and everyone's like, I mean, if you look around, everyone, everyone on every roster has 20 home runs this year. It's insane. It's insane. Hey, Starling Marte, like, beat his career total in home runs, like, in early August. Like, Josh Bell beat his career total in home runs in, like, July. And just, like, everyone. Uh, rookies are breaking franchise records in home runs. Mike Trout, a guy who's been, you know, 30-30 guy. He's, like, on pace to hit, like, 55. They, like, just, they're flying out of the park. It's, like, every park is Coors Field. And I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but it's clearly a juice ball, and um, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think that—I I can't answer that question, Alex, because the Pirates clearly were not prepared for the home runs to occur at this rate. Uh, and it's not just them. I mean, the Orioles broke the MLB record for most home runs allowed in August. I mean, there's yep. a whole month of the season, and they still they broke the record that month. And a lot of teams are serving. Up. I mean, Justin Verlander might win the AL Cy Young, and he has allowed more home runs than I think anyone else in the major leagues this year. So everyone's serving him up. So I think the Pirates kind of just entered this year, and it's like that. It's like that uh, meme where like the kid just walks in and like sees everything and just like immediately panics and turns around. Uh, they're like, what What the hell's happening? There's just home runs fly, fly, flying out right field, left field. Our pets' heads are falling off. They were clearly caught off guard by this. We'll see how they regroup. It might be firing their pitching coach. It might be signing different pitchers. It might be changing their philosophy. It might be pitching higher up in the zone. I don't know how you address it, but they clearly need to. Um, so the answer to your question is I don't know because the pitching staff does have talent. The balls might not be juiced next year. We don't know. Uh, If they are juiced, I'm excited to see how they do address it. Because they have not really made any adjustments for it this year.
1: Alright, sorry for the detracting. You want to go
0: back on path? Yeah, well, we can just move on. Um, Another guy who plays first base, who's had a great year, is Jose Asuna. I've been a Jose Asuna truther since spring training... 2017, I was on spring break with three of my best buddies. We did a baseball tour. We stayed in Tampa Bay, Florida for six days. We went to six different facilities. Each day, we went to a different spring training game, like Detroit, Philly, Pittsburgh, uh, the Yankees, uh, Blue Jays, and uh, the Orioles. Those were the six ones we saw. And then on the seventh day, we went to Daytona Beach. It was a hell of a spring break spring break trip, but at the Pirates game we went to, my friend, who uh, is an Indians fan but doesn't really watch baseball aside from Indians baseball, he watched Jose Asuna play first base and he goes, that guy right there, that's a Pirates next superstar. And I said, that guy right there, Sam, might never play 110 games in a major league season in his career. But then, in that game, Jose Asuna hit two home runs in that spring training game. And since then, I've been a Jose Asuna stan. I thought he was a man without a position. The Pirates have a couple of those right now uh, in Moran and Osuna. But I'm excited I'm excited to see how they use both coming into next year. Because obviously, Hayes is the future third. But I think you have a guy in, in Jose Asuna and a guy like and Colin Moran, a.k.a. my best friend, um, who both deserve, I think, an opportunity to start in 2020. Am I off base by saying that about Asuna? I don't think I'm off base by saying that about Moran. Uh, I, I think you're off base by saying it about Moran. I think
1: this year, I, I know he had a home run against the lefty on uh, Tuesday, but, hey, the lefty was Drew Smiley, so, eh, not to take that away anything away from
0: Moran's there. Moran's numbers it's... are really good for a—, for a <laughs>
1: Pedestrian honestly. He's got a lot of RBI, but that's because Josh bow hit seven thousand doubles, you know, in the first couple months of the season.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's an exact number.
1: Position.
0: Hashtag DKPS.
1: <laughs> Hashtag Pirates. That's how you get it into the live file. Uh, but I don't know about Colin Moran. I don't know what his twenty twenty future is. I don't I maybe you could turn him into like this Adam frazier type Guy, where he bounces around at third, second, first base and just be a utility guy. But for Suna, this might raise an eyebrow. I like the, I like the body of work this year. Yeah. You have to like the body of work, work this year. It's also been a very different Jose Asuna that we've seen in the past because Jose, for years, his first two years in the majors, it was he struggled against righties, but he mashed against lefties. Okay, platoon player. This year, he's hitting the ball hard against lefties, but they're not falling in for hits. This year, he's hitting okay against righties. Actually, a little better than okay. He's pretty good. But he has fantastic results against them, which might be a little unjustified. And that's kind of boosting up his season stats. And I'm concerned because this is something that happened last year with Adam Frazier. And there's basically no you know concern or conversation of, oh, of course he's going to be the starting second baseman next year. I don't think I have that faith in Osuna yet.
0: I, you know, it's not Osuna's fault that Adam Frazier proved to be, you know, go back to the player that he was, you know, His this whole year. Life. Yeah, go back to the
1: slap hitting player that he was before he came up for those okay. two months last year. Player
0: of the week right before the All Star break. Let's not forget yeah. about that.
1: You took away that week. He's been a pretty, like, barely above replacement level the rest <laughs> of the year. Yes. So my here's my plan for Jose Osuna because he has earned a chance, I think, to play as an everyday player. He is my opening day third baseman next year. Whoa. And whenever Cabrian Hayes is ready and if he can unseat Osuna, he has the job. And then Osuna goes back to corner outfielder and backup corner infielder.
0: I, I have a better one for you. All right. I, my opening day... Next year, Jose Asuna and Colin Moran, platoon in right field.
1: <laughs> what about Polanco?
0: Polanco plays left field.
1: I I don't think they're gonna put Polanco back in left. I think he's right for good. I think twenty seventeen. You're right.
0: You're right. Okay, well their arms suck. all right, then let's just say left field. I'm just trying to think outside the box. I wish I wish this guys like Moran and Osuna. I wish the National—if the National League got the designated hitter next year, this problem is solved. You platoon both of them at first base, and your your answers are—you you have your answer. You put DH. Yeah. You put Bell at DH, and then you oh. put— okay, never mind. Yeah, you put Bell at designated hitter, and then you platoon Moran and Osuna at first base, and everything else resolves itself. Moran just
1: had a year of platooning, and he was— average
0: yeah but I mean but that's the thing where you could play Moran at third still you could play Moran you you use Moran like you kind of used him at the beginning of this year to me I think
1: I think the Pirates would be better served giving Jose Asuna a starting job than having be the left-handed platoon with Colin Moran if those are the only two options I think you have to put Colin Moran on the bench He's proven that he could be a good pinch hitter. He's proven that he could play second and first base at a pinch.
0: Can't you say the same thing for Osuna? He's I, I, I
1: no, so, but I think but Jose Osuna has hit the ball harder. He has gotten better results. Fair. I think he's better in the field and on the base paths too. I think Jose yeah. Osuna, compared to Colin Moran, is the better ball player. Okay, and if
0: one of the third, I don't think it's really a debate. Alright, that's fair. I mean, hey, you were you and Alan Saunders laughed in my face when I said this guy was good.
1: You know what? We did. It was this year. Yes. He was going to be a good player. I'm like, nah, replacement level, good bench piece.
0: I said, Jose Asuna is a ball player. And I said, it's a damn shame that he is where he is, like on the team that he is. Because he's someone that you could, I could see being like a, I told, I said, I could see him being like a Jose Batista, Like just gets traded as like a side piece in like some weird off-season deal, kind of like a loop deal from last year, and he just takes off somewhere. And you, you both laughed at me. You know, I think this guy's a good ball player.
1: I, I, I would still laugh at the Jose Osuna thing, but I, I'm, I'll throw Alan under the bus with me on that one. With the uh, We kind of undersold Jose Osuna because you said that after he had like 10 plate appearances this year.
0: Dude, he rakes. All right. Uh, last legit Pirates topic. Starley Marte, you have to trade him this offseason, right? No. No. you do, No, you don't
1: have to trade him if you were serious about winning in 2020. If you're going to spend this whole offseason doing nothing like you had the last two or three, then, yeah, trade him. Mm-hmm. But if you're actually going to be serious and we're going to say we're going to address catcher, we're going to bring in a, a starting pitcher to bolster the rotation, we're going to bring in some bullpen help, then yeah, and you are serious about competing in twenty twenty. Serious about I cannot stress those words enough. Serious about competing in twenty twenty, you keep sterling Marte because at the worst case scenario you could trade him at the trade deadline.
0: That's fair. No,
1: you don't you don't have to trade him this off season, I don't think. I think this would be the highest his value ever is.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why but- that's why I think you do trade him. And I, I and I think that Marte, I know every fan hates to hear this, because it's it's Failed immensely for the Pirates, but Marte provides the Pirates with an opportunity where you've seen it with outfielders before, where you can get better in the future and kind of sell now. You can do both, like you saw this with Cespedes when he got traded. The A's traded him. And they built for now and the future. And uh, I, I think this is the kind of the same thing with what you could do with Marte. I think you could flip Marte this offseason and you can get a catcher for him. I think you could get a young catcher for a team that's looking for that last piece to make a run. And I guess you could do that at the deadline, but if you're trading Starling Marte at the deadline, you're you're waving the white flag on the season. I think if I think there are enough guys now. You move Reynolds to center field, you have Polanco and Wright. There are enough options out in left field, and I'm not talking about Jason Martin. Let me throw some other names out there. What about Kevin Newman in left field to start next year?
1: That would be out there. I, I would rather put Newman at second and Frazier in left. If, See, I don't
0: want that's... Adam Frazier in my opening day starting lineup.
1: I, 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 I can understand that, but I think I would rather have Newman in the infield. I know he's moonlit. Of give, me the Kevin,
0: little... give me Kevin Kramer and Cole Tucker— at second Honestly, short, I
1: would rather have Cole Tucker play in the
0: outfield. I think you said this... this, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I just faster. I, I
1: think he would transition better. I think I could make him into a defensive monster as an outfielder. I mean,
0: he's kind of a defensive monster at shortstop.
1: I, I, I think he's a really good defensive shortstop. I'm talking like Starling Marte. What about players. what
0: about Cole Tucker at center field? Then you keep Reynolds and left, and Polanco on right.
1: That was also what I was going to bring up. I I don't think Brian Reynolds is an everyday center fielder. Yeah, I think. and I
0: and that would be the, probably the bigger concern. And I don't think Newman could play center field. But now that we're talking Cole Tucker in the outfield, I know that would be a very unpopular popular move for the Yenzer's that fell in love with him simply because he had hair like a really good strong safety that played football five years ago. But aside from that, I I I think that kind of would work. I I mean I think defensively he would probably. If you move Cole Tucker to center field, you told him in September, said, "Hey, we're gonna play at shortstop in September when you get called up." But then this off season, you're moving to center field. I think if you gave him an off season to prepare, Cole Tucker, and you trade Marte away, Cole Tucker is the best defensive outfielder you could have on your on your in your in the entire organization.
1: I think so. I mean, I'm hearing great things about Swaggery. Yeah, you know,
0: that's that's a while away.
1: He's a couple years away. Yeah,
0: yeah. So and yeah, I mean I'm excited and I don't know. I I, I just think there there are ways his value and I'm not I'm not a Marte hater. I've always appreciated him uh not as much as others. Like I he's pissed me off, but I do understand how good he is and how much value he provides. And like we talked about consistency, he was that consistent guy. He was the only consistent guy on this pirates team for a while. Unless if he was removed from the field for offseason problems or injuries, he would probably be one of their more reliable guys statistically. But I do think there are ways around Marte and you could get something for him. You could get you could get a you're not gonna get the kid that uh everyone wanted from the Dodgers for him, but I think yeah. you could. Yeah, you could get somebody for him. You could get a young catcher. You could get a current catcher. You find a team with two good catchers. You know, everyone, every team, every team in baseball. I don't care who you are. Every team in baseball would love to have a Starling Marte.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I did back of the envelope math, you know, during the trade deadline, and I basically came up with you know, going based off surplus value. Of what Starling Marte would give, and what the prospects in those range usually would get, Starling Marte for uh, Ruiz from the Dodgers, or probably not Will Smith anymore since he's just hit like a madman
0: mm-hmm.
1: up to the majors. But it's
0: like, Screw at the, the time, Dodgers? Was, like,
1: by the way, what the hell And if you want a catcher, that, that would be it. I think I think the Pirates, if they are going to be looking for a catcher, I'm, I'm not going to say as Monty Grandal anymore because I've made that painfully clear. But uh, Mike Zanino type, I think, would be a good fit. Jason Castro is going to be a free agent. will probably be signing for a two-year deal this offseason. What I about think
0: Martin be- Maldonado? What are your thoughts?
1: I, I wish that one good year he had, and I think it was 2017. Mm-hmm. Was just I mean, I really like the pitch framing, but the bat just scares me too much.
0: Honestly, the first part of what you just said was enough for me. How about we just how about we just get a guy who can actually play the position?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of that's why I threw Zanino out there as an option, too, because he's hit better in the past, he's underachieving a bit this year. If you believe that the bat will have a bounce back year with the glove that he provides, yeah, he could be like a 3 4 work player.
0: Then yeah, I mean, and I think that the system the pirates have shows that they can produce offense. I don't know. I think that's worth kicking the tires on. Plus, um my question, my last Pirates-related question for you would be this. I was thinking about this the other day while I was in the car. A lot of good thoughts come while I'm driving, Alex. A lot of good thoughts. We're going to get into some other ones here later. Um, how much of the Pirates' pitching struggles do you feel are related to the fact that Elias Diaz has been the primary catcher this year and not Francisco Cervelli? I,
1: I think it's hard. I, I don't you can't deny it. it has hurt. And it's nothing against Elias and how he handles a pitching staff or calls a game, but he is the worst framing catcher in baseball.
0: And that's it. I mean, I think it's hurt. Nothing against him, but he is literally the worst.
1: Well, I, I, I nothing against other parts of his game, but
0: I have He's said a nice guy that says he is the worst framing catcher
1: in baseball. And this was a team that in 2012 had the worst framing catcher in baseball. In that offseason, they went and they got the best catching framer in baseball. Dude. And lo and behold, look
0: at that turnaround. You're that not going to talk about my man Rob Barajas like that. Not on this program. No, yeah, sir. I
1: went with Rob Barajas until, until my dying
0: breath. Dude, didn't he have, like, 13 children? I curse Rod Barajas. <laughs> didn't he have, like, 13 kids? Did he? I thought so. Hey, Ron Antonio Cromartie Barajas. No, they're all with one woman. Woman, I think he was just like, he was one of those where it's like, I'm, my, boys, my boys can swim. Wow. Yeah. He had more hits in the bedroom than he did for the Pirates. Better batting yeah. average, for sure.
1: I can't remember. I think it's the arm. I think it's the arm. Jeff Passant's book. But Eric Chavez did, was telling someone who was going on the disabled list, he's like, I have three kids. I have been on the disabled list three times. You do the math.
0: <laughs> there we go. All right. So. All right. So last, last, er, yeah, we'll just relate this to Pirates, I guess. So last Pirates topic, uh, this kind of goes to whole baseball. Um, thoughts on the players' weekend uniforms? On a scale of one to horrible. How horrible?
1: Uh, one step above absolutely horrible. I wanted to puke. They, they were terrible. And Jared uh, Prugar had the uh, – called the Reds uniforms painters, which I liked. The one I – genius goes underappreciated. This was one of my favorite tweets I've made in a long time. But it was the Reds, white jerseys, white everything, and the name said meat sauce. <laughs> I called them the Cincinnati Tide ads, and I got like three likes on it, and I was so disappointed.
0: Well you gotta throw that hashtag on it and then the the DK mafia will will make you blow up, right?
1: I did throw the hashtag on
0: it. Oh no. Oh no. That's not good. I didn't see it, so I would have liked it. But um yeah, I mean that just like you couldn't even read the names, the numbers, the nicknames, it was all moot. I mean it was literally salt and pepper. It was, it was a 1980s female rap star Civil War. That's what we watched this last weekend. Oh,
1: no, but speaking as a fan of uh, the game Othello, I thought it was very, very,
0: very appealing. I want to shoot, baby, shoot, shoot, baby. All right, Alex, I know you're a get-go guy now, and uh, I'll support you through that, but if you're asking me, Who's got the best food in Pittsburgh? It's Slice on Broadway. Our segments are brought to you, or our second half of the show, I should say, are brought to you by Slice on Broadway with locations in Carnegie, Beachview, East End, and of course our favorite at PNC Park, Slice on Broadway has it all. From their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, super delicious subs, and everything they make is handmade and the best your money can buy. Hey, Alex, you want to know why? Why? Because they would not be able to sleep if it wasn't, be sure to check them out and tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. Alex, so now, like we did the last episode, the second half of the show, it's just 100% non-pirates related. So if you're just tuning in for our Pirates takes, this is the time to leave. We're going to get off the rails here, and it starts right now. Um, do you want to start off with Noah's thoughts? Is that the way to do it? Let's do it. All right, I have two, and they're both kind of related. All right, so I was thinking about things that amaze me this week. And you know, and just simple things that amaze me. There's a lot of things that amaze me. I'm, I'm very easily impressed. Um, you know, like airplanes. Airplanes are incredible, if you think about it. Like how, they're just flying. They're big birds. But anyway, that's not, we're not going to talk about airplanes. That's a different episode. That's another 100 lost season that we're going to get into that. All right? So this year, or this episode, I want to talk to you about mirrors and photos. Quite literally the most amazing things in the world to me. How in the world can a mirror see what I look like? I don't understand it. You could give me all the science behind it. It is incredible. It is incredible that this piece of... And it's not technology. I mean, I believe they had mirrors dating back to... Uh, I mean, like, Game of Thrones time. I know that's not a real thing, but, I mean, like, medieval times. They had they had mirrors. Jesus probably had a mirror in his little basement in his in his wooden house because his dad was a carpenter. Uh, more on Jesus later in the podcast. But anyway, uh, they they had mirrors all the way back then. And it's not really technology, but, I mean, these things, could you imagine the first person to discover a mirror? Like, they're just looking at it, and they're like, who the hell is this person, (laughs) and why are they stuck inside this wall? And I promise you, I don't do drugs. My company that I work for tests for them. I cannot, and I wouldn't do it anyway. That was almost, I almost self-incriminated myself. This is just, mirrors have always amazed me, and if you want to take it a step further, you want to bring technology into it, photos. How in the world how in the world does this little machine on my phone? Before that, it was a little a little piece of plastic that you had to, you know, crank it and uh, like scroll through, and you got like thirty of them on a little Kodak. And before that, you know, there was digital cameras. Before that, you had the big thing that you saw in like the nineteen forties movies, and you'd shoot it, and a whole bunch of sparks would fly up. How do cameras capture? What I look like. And don't ruin this for me and tell me exactly how it happens through science. It's just amazing. Photos and mirrors, quite literally, real-life miracles. Alex, your thoughts? Hey, did you read Calvin
1: and Hobbes growing up?
0: Nope.
1: Oh, that's a shame. What a waste of childhood.
0: Do I strike you as a child who read a lot, Alex?
1: Well, Calvin and Hobbes was... No, I, read, ext-
0: I actually did read a, I read probably more back then than I do now. That's actually a lie, because... Books were like seven pages back then, but, uh, <laughs> oh,
1: back to back to back. Um, no, but Calvin and Hobbes had a, had a joke. He's like, well, how did milk, how do people discover milk where they just went up to a cow and they're like, you know what? I'm just going to drink whatever comes out of here,
0: dude. I mean, that's some sick perversion. And I, and I, I, I will almost bet my life that the cow was not the first animal that was milked. Probably not. No, nah, it was definitely like a dog or a goat. It was probably goats. Yeah, goat. You ever had goat milk? I have not. Me neither. I've had goat cheese. Not a cheese guy. I thought you weren't either. I'm not. All right. You going to get that phone?
1: No, we got to let it pause for a second.
0: No, you're good. You're good. We'll let it play. Is, oh. that, is, that, is that boss man calling? No. Oh, no. man. And it, it's off. Let's go. All right, cool. So that's my thoughts. Um, yeah, just mirrors and photos. They blow my freaking mind. Incredible stuff. you have anything that just blows your mind that's just not, like it's just an everyday part of life, but you think it's just like, how is this the way it is?
1: You know, it, I, I, not to that extent, but I was in Michigan a, a week ago. Okay. For a week ago. And there was a place up there where, It was in the forest, and it was also by the lake, and you're not allowed to have any lights there, and there's, uh, you get a beautiful view of the Milky Way, and it's right by the lake, You see, you can hear the tide coming in, and it was, I I didn't have my mirror moment, but I'll tell you what, I was chilling out there. It was fun. That was...
0: Just how big the universe is, and the stars... Michigan to get what you get looking at a mirror so can you see the stars out where you live are you too close to the city I can see some okay is that I'm Burgettstown that was a go to move for young Noah Hiles when he had a when he had a, a little filly riding around with him in his in his cutlass that his grandparents had sitting in their Florida garage for like a decade plus and he would take girls on dates the end move was always take them to the baseball field, lay out the blanket, look at the stars, and then drive home disappointed. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on now. Move. We already talked about your glow up. Uh, anything further to add on that? Have you been to their office yet? No. No. Oh, really? It's, been... no. it's really cool. It's yeah, really. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. You'll like it. Um, uh, th- that's fun fact for some people. I actually interviewed there when I was out of college to be a producer there. I was immensely underqualified. They made the right choice by not hiring me. Um, <laughs> they wanted more of like a sound engineer person, and I kind of just like was like, yeah, I could do that. I just wanted to work there. Um, and I think I, I won everyone over with my personality in the interview, but, like, skill set-wise, they were like... this. Like we would like to hire him. He seems like a nice guy, but he's just not what we need right now. And I understood it. I didn't take it personal. Uh but yeah, I mean, it looks like a cool place to work. I I I envy you, man. It's lucky. It's a cool. Alright. My next topic that I wanted to bring up. Unless you got something you want to bring up for non base non nope. pirates. We're gonna talk about another baseball team. I'm sick and tired of these pirates' Twitter accounts that don't have their name to it. It's these pictures of, you know, And I got nothing against Cannonball Corner. I got nothing against North Shore 9. I got nothing against, you know, Point of Pittsburgh or whoever else. All these random pirate accounts, Yen's above replacement. But some of these accounts spewing this Cleveland Indians hate coming on my timeline. And I don't follow. That was arguably one of the most petty things I've said online, where the guy's like, if you don't like it, unfollow me. And I said, buddy, I don't follow you and like <laughs> like i mean that was like Vince Carter gif like it's over no but i i mean i'm t- i'm sick and tired of this cleveland indians hate just saying that they win because they're in a crappy division when the year before they went to the world series the kansas city royals won the world series they had a, a prominent detroit tigers team that was still kind of relevant during their come up and this year Well, granted, last year the division sucked. The year before that, it was pretty bad as well. Well, no, the year before that, in 2017, there was another playoff team in it. This year, the Twins are good. The Twins are good. Yeah. So, I mean...
1: I I think that's the main reason for the hate of the Cleveland Indians, that they rested on their laurels. Yes. That did not expect the Minnesota Twins to actually be competing for the division, and all they had to do was win 86 games with the team, and then just hope that their starting pitching was good enough to carry them from there. They were basically, they were basically the 2016 pirates. But the
0: the difference is that like the pirates tried to do by relying on young talent and developing pirates can't develop. The Indians have successfully showed that they can develop, which I do respect. The Indians also made the best trade second best trade during the trade deadline. well, I don't know. I haven't looked at Strowman's numbers. So, I, I, you know, I would still say, I mean, Fran, Reyes and, uh, Fran, Reyes, Fran, Fran Reyes and Yasiel Puig have been lights out for the Indians since coming here. So, I, uh, I mean, I just respect the organization. I respect their ability to win with a small budget, similar to the Pirates, similar size market. Their attendance, actually, if you look at the Pirates' attendance when the Pirates are winning and you compare it to the Indians' attendance that they get when they've had their runs, the Pirates' attendance was even, probably better. Yeah, it and was. It, 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 I mean, it, it, it was by a lot, actually. So the fact that the Indians, and that was my argument. He's like, oh, they're just like, um, you know, the one guy I was arguing with. They're just like the Pirates. but You know, and I know we're going back a couple years, but I don't remember the Pirates ever signing someone for three years, $60 million. No. And, I think and that's year the in reason. and year out, year in and year out, we were excited about the Archer trade because they acquired a name. Year in and year out, the Indians have done that be it in the offseason. I mean, Yonder Alonso is not a name relevant to, equivalent to Chris Archer, but the Pirates have not acquired a name like that. I mean, a couple. I guess you could equate that to, like, the Dickerson move. But uh, other than that, they've, they've brought in Andrew Miller. They've brought in Brad Hand. I know the Brad Hand deal, hindsight, not looking great. The Andrew Miller deal was a good move, Puig is another big name. I mean, they've made they've made the moves. I think the Pirates and the Indians are in a similar situation. I just think the Indians have made moves that have worked. And you could say that's because of a shitty division that they're in, but in reality, you gotta beat the teams you play. And they have, and the Indians, you know, they beat the teams that they play in October too. They've been to a a World Series more recently than the Pirates have. They won 22 games in a row more recently than the Pirates have. They've won division titles, and you, you don't just win division titles by beating up on a crappy division. You've got to beat teams that you play outside the division, and they've done that too. So that's why I respect the Indians. Keep the hatred out your mouth. We don't have beef with the Cleveland Indians, Pittsburgh. I tell you that. You can hate the Browns all you want. Working in the freaking Cleveland media or – Technically, I'm in the Cleveland media because the market is Akron, Canton, Cleveland. Uh, working in Ohio media, it's very easy to hate Browns fans. I'm just going to say it. I, I, I hope this doesn't get back to some of the listeners that I have in Canton. This Baker Mayfield nonsense where they're giving him, they're acting like he's done more for the city of Cleveland than LeBron James has. Literally. They forgot that LeBron is paying for like 200 kids to go to college. And they're just, yeah, yeah it's just really annoying. Uh, it's easy to get annoyed with that. But this Indian seems very likable. They're very talented. And I think they're admirable. And I like them. And I just wish Pittsburgh people would like them too.
1: You know what? They are a likable team. They have top end talent. And it's going to be quite. I, I'm trying to think of the perfect word. It's going to be. For lack of a better one, just pure shot in Freud in all of Pittsburgh. Where they see, where they see this team fall under the same mistakes that the twenty sixteen pirates did, and they're going to miss the playoffs because they did not get addressed any of the They're
0: unbelievable- going to make the playoffs. No, they're not. Yes, they are.
1: Minnesota's gonna win the division and then the Rays and A's are gonna play in the wildcard game. No,
0: they're gonna make the playoffs. Alex, I bet you a bottle of I'll bet I'll buy you a bottle of whiskey. For, keep it reasonable that right. they make the playoffs. And if they if they make it, you have to get me a $30 gift card to get-go. You know what? I like these terms. All right. I like these. I, the Indians right. are going to – I'm still – even with the loss of Ramirez. And that's the thing. The Pirates fans complain about all the injuries. The Indians lost a Cy Young winner. They traded away another guy who was Cy Young caliber last year. They, they got – Clevenger was hurt. Uh, yeah, he had one good season, I know. But Clevenger was hurt. Their closers underperformed down the stretch. Um, they, they, huh? Cookie, yes, also. What? Carrasco. Oh, yeah, Cookie just got cancer out of nowhere. He's coming back, though. Um, I mean, they've lo- They literally lost four of the five guys in their starting rotation on opening day are either, were either severely hurt, for a significant portion of the season, or are no longer on the roster. And they've managed to battle through that. They've lost Ramirez, and they didn't really have him for the whole first half of the year, because he stunk. They got rid of so many key players. I mean, Michael Brantley's going to win the American League batting title. He could have been on this team for a hometown discount, probably. That's that's the frustration.
1: That is the pirates' aspect of it. That if you could have kept him on that two thirty two deal, but they would replaced have Brantley.
0: They replaced Blant, Brantley with Puig, who's doing just as well. I mean, look at they, Puig's numbers they, in Cleveland; they're really good.
1: They didn't replace anyone this offseason. That's the frustration
0: yeah. that they were like
1: Jordan Luplow. That's good enough.
0: Jordan Luplo has been okay for them, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I agree with no, what you're saying. Brantley, Brantley was their guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they didn't have. They didn't have any other good outfielders after that. I mean, like Greg Allen Mercado's been a nice surprise for, surprise for them. That's enough Indians talk, though. I they are going to make the playoffs though. They are going. They I think they're going to win the division.
1: I am going to have so much fun with this A's Rays wild card game.
0: I'm that not. is going to be amazing. I'm not because neither no. I think the Indians. What's frustrating about them if Ramirez is healthy? I think this Indians team is probably. The best has probably the best chance out of anyone in the American League to beat the Astros. Yankees. No, Yankees don't have a starting pitcher.
1: It, it, everything is just leading up to Astros. Uh, Yankees.
0: I have no faith in the Yankees. You you don't win nine to eight in the playoffs. You just don't.
1: Yes, you do. You win nine to eight in the playoffs. You don't
0: win one to nothing. You don't rely on that, though. I mean, yeah, I guess you win that in later games. I don't know, like just that bullpen. The bullpen looks good in the World Series, but when their arms are dead because they've pitched six, seven innings every single game, getting to the World Series, I don't think you're gonna be able to rot. Like they're all gonna be dead. That starting pitching stinks. They're gonna trot CC Sabathia's fat ass out there for a playoff game in 2019. Yeah. No. You don't get that out of my happen- face. All right, no. I don't I'm not on the, I'm not in on the Yankees. I think it's if the Indians get in which they will, I think they give the Astros the best shot to lose. I mean, I, I think my
1: preseason prediction was Yankees over Braves. I still feel pretty good about, about that. It Mine was be, card
0: it might be. Mine was Cardinals over Yankees and I'm still sticking to that, I guess, too. Even though I just <laughs> said the Yankees suck. Uh, all right. We gotta move close. We gotta move along because Hard Knock starts in... oh, it's already started. Forget it. We're just going. All right. <laughs> so, Alex, question: Have you tried the Popeyes chicken sandwich?
1: I have not.
0: You live close I, to a Popeyes, don't you? I,
1: I live close to the waterfront, which has a Popeyes. Yeah. I don't know. If don't have the chicken sandwich
0: though. No, they they're all in? out nationwide. Gone.
1: I, I wanted to try one. I kind of thought, like, okay, I'll get to it. I didn't get it. I will have one, and I'll get the second batch.
0: Because. I, I'm, I'm super woke on this. They have these chicken sandwiches. They're just continuing yeah. this wave. They, they struck gold by a tweet that, the, you know, like you see MLB accounts go after each other all the time, and it's, like, funny. Yeah. It's, like, one viral day on the Internet. But they struck gold with this. And it became, it became, like, when you look back at social media in 2019, like, every year you could think of those viral moments. Like, this is, this is literally, I got an email from our corporate office. This became a legitimate news story. I did not cover it. You know, I feel like there's more important things going on in Ohio right now than Popeyes versus Chick-fil-A. I mean, if yeah. you just pay attention in the news, there's been some... Kind of depressing stuff happening in Dayton and whatnot. But anyway, um, this this whole thing has gotten way out of hand. I'm woke on it. They're just sitting on a big old stack of those chicken sandwiches. And I respect the hell out of Popeyes. They're playing them good old southern Christian boys from Chick-fil-A like a fiddle right now. Like a southern fiddle, Alex. It's ironic that the devil went down to Georgia and he wanted to play a fiddle because... That's that's what that's that fiddle is like. What Chick Fil A is getting played like right now, and I'm a Chick Fil A stan. I really am. But I'm gonna be honest with you, Alex. And I got nothing wrong. I have no qualms with Chick Fil A being closed on Sunday. But now that I know that there's another place that I can go on a Sunday to get myself a nice chicken sandwich, I can't promise my faithfulness to them. I can't prov- I can't promise that I will stay loyal to Chick Fil A. It's been tough. We've all been there. You you know you had a little bit too much to drink on a on a Saturday night. You just think, man, a chicken sandwich, some nice some nice some nice hospitality while I'm going through the drive-through. They're not judging me from clearly wearing what I was wearing last night. <laughs> They're not judging me because I haven't brushed my teeth yet and it's one o'clock. they you know they, they know they 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 figure that's probably vomit on my shirt. But they're not going to ask questions. But I don't have that opportunity at Chick-fil-A. Popeyes, they don't care. They just want to sell them chicken sandwiches. I'm excited for it. I haven't tried it. Um, my question originally was going to be, What has has Chick-fil-A in this one weekend run, this one week run, taken the spot of White Claw for the food hype of the summer? You, you mean Popeyes? Yeah, Popeye, Popeyes. Has Popeyes... Yeah. Because White Claw, White Claw dominated the summer. Dominated. But did, Chick-fil- or did Popeyes just come out of nowhere at the end? Did they? Did the glass shatter and Popeyes was stone cold just coming down there? Oh, my God, it's Popeyes music. And, like, the glass shatters and you hear, I love that chicken for Popeyes. And they just come in and they just start stunning everyone. Did that just happen? I, I think
1: it did just happen. I, I d- mean, it, this is... It's it's going to be the fall of Popeyes, and I mean that the autumn of Popeyes, not you know the downfall of Popeyes.
0: This is yeah. I just I, don't I, know
1: chicken sandwiches. Whenever they get back, whenever they announce that the second batch is there, catch me at the waterfront.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean it's it's everywhere. Darren Ravel was a part of the review. Uh, I I mean just everything. Everything was all it was. It was awesome to see, man. I, I was all about it. Like, the memes. That 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 photo, I'm sure you saw it, of that woman who worked for Popeyes, and she's just slumped over on a bench outside work, <laughs> and people were saying, you know, like, like, originally it was like, Popeye, like, you you guys wore her out. But then, like, you get the retweets going, and people were comparing it to the Michael Jordan flu game. <laughs> and
1: so- you know, Michael Jordan flu game. The best news was with, a. Uh- See, the first time I saw that meme was whenever Schefter dropped the Andrew Luck bomb. And I clicked and that was the first response.
0: (laughs) 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 Alright, we'll move on now. Uh, We talked about your personal news. I just thought I'd give everyone a little update on my personal news real quick. Oh, before we do that, no, actually, no. We'll we'll close with a different one. Uh, personal news. I have had some interesting news stories. I sat in the same chair as Jesus, allegedly. I sat in the chair. I can't confirm that Jesus sat in it because I wasn't there. But okay, it wasn't in night. It wasn't in like the biblical times. Like allegedly, he sat in it in like 1940. Oh, yeah. Um. Long story short, there's this lady in Canton, she had a whole bunch of health issues, Uh, she was in the hospital for 10 months, she converted converted to Catholicism while in the hospital, they sent her home to die, and Jesus and one of her, like, favorite saints came and visited her and healed her multiple times. Um, She then went on to basically uh, become, like, a saint, like, she's being petitioned for sainthood uh, and her house has been looked at as, like, this, this secret hidden gem for Catholics all over the country, where it's now, like, it's like a shrine, and people who practice the Catholic faith will come from all over the country, and in some cases, all over the world, and they look at that as a place where they can go and pray and get healed, and it's, like, right in Canton's backyard, the AP wrote a story on it, like, a week ago, which is why I went to cover it, and, um, they said like that week they had at least one person from every state there, and it's just this little house in Canton, and it's some of the stuff there. It was actually pretty incredible. I went there pretty skeptic. Uh, I I am a person of faith. I'm not Catholic, but I do practice Christianity. Not that we need to really get into that. I'm sure people don't really care what my religious views are. If they do, you know, great. That's great. Regardless, um, I was open to it. I guess I wanted to. Sh- I wanted to find out what the hype was about, but. Yeah, I. there was some stuff there. If you want to check out the video, it's on WHBC's Facebook page. Um, You have to scroll down a little bit, but check it out. It's it's an interesting tour. And I don't know if I sat in the chair in Jesus or not, but I'm not throwing it out the window, Alex. That's all I got to say. You need to check it out. It was an interesting tour.
1: Did you ever watch the movie In Bruges? Nope. I think it's on Netflix, and if it is, you know, that's a recommendation just for everyone. But in Bruges, they uh, are sightseeing, and they go to a church. And at the church, they said, uh, Jesus bled in this basin. And, you know, they just never let it go empty, and they put in, you know, fresh water along the time. So you could actually drink a, a little bit of Jesus' blood. And that's the thing there. So that's what your story reminded me of. I won't spoil the joke of what they do there.
0: Okay, yeah. What? I. Yeah, there's no so juice blood.
1: Which if anyone has seen or they're going to watch it. They're going to be like, wow, reminding Alex. Another reminded Alex of Embruge. That is not exactly a good thing.
0: All right. Um, I also got to ride the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And uh, to, that was pretty sweet. So, and then I've covered some other stuff. But that Jesus chair, I just wanted to address that because he talked about that on Twitter. So I thought I'd address that. But news is, uh, it's interesting here in Ohio. I like it. I'm excited for football to start up. I get to do that on TV. Friday is my first broadcast. Um, Overall, it's exciting. Last topic, Alex. Carly Lloyd, considering a kicking career in the NFL. What are your thoughts on this? Can't you do it?
1: I mean, I guess the first question is, She
0: are women allowed in the NFL? Yeah, I think because so. Because in Major League Baseball, there is like an actual rule
1: saying that there aren't allowed to be any women players.
0: I, I don't think, know, I think women are allowed, yes.
1: Okay, so just going based on the assumption, then yeah, if she can earn the job, she was hitting, like, what,
0: 55 outs? But here's the thing. I watched that video... She was like 10 steps back. That's like a kickoff. Every kicker in the NFL can can make that kick from that far. Now, I'm not I'm not doubting her. I'm not that guy, oh, you know, she's a woman, she can't play. She she literally made a living from kicking balls far and accurately. So I'm not discrediting that. I just want to see. Like that video, I saw, you know, she she had a long run. Most NFL kicks you know, from that distance, people are blocking that. You can't be that far away. So, let me see you do that from three steps back. Trying to show that, yeah, I can hit it from 55. Yeah, but, like, again, that's a kickoff from the distance that she had to run up and get it. So, let me see you do that in three steps. It's a difference, Alex. It's a difference. When you get five, six steps running in, that's enough time for people to come around and block it. You have to do it one, two, kick. And when you can do it then... Let me see it. I'm not discrediting that. I think she probably could do it, but I need to see that before I can really believe in her. Okay.
1: Well, how about just take it the other way with uh, from the kickoff? There, there are people who do that. I mean, it's kind of an, a niche thing, but they're you know backup kicker. No, they but do the-
0: every everyone in
1: Benataris who don't who just don't put that wear in their body anymore. Just do that and be the backup if it comes to that. Well, I'm not the ideal way to do it. Overall, I'm just going to give the—if she legitimately earns a spot, then yeah, go for it. And I think as a kicker, it's going to be the most clear cut if she could or could not. It's not going to be like, you know, offensive tackle or,
0: yeah. or wideout. Here's why Here's why she'll never be a kickoff kicker. One, because you can have your punter do that. It, it's so easy to kick a touchback in the NFL— Especially since they moved the ball up. Like, that's why Vinatieri did that. McAfee, Pat McAfee would do the kickoffs. Like, you can have your punter do that, and it's not a problem. Two, if it does get returned, you don't want... I mean, Carly Lloyd, I don't have her stats in front of me, but I'd imagine not a physical specimen that would probably be capable of tackling an NFL player. So, and and like, everyone roasts kickers, but like, kickers in the NFL, they would be the some of the biggest dudes on a college football team. Like, most of those guys are jacked. So, uh, no. Carly Lloyd would never do a kickoff. It would be field goals only. She would be a place kicker. And um, if she's good enough to do that, yes. But they would be insane to put her on kickoffs. And that's, that's not me being sexist. That's just me knowing the difference between how men and women are built biologically and knowing that Carly Lloyd just, by her physical build, even if you throw shoulder pads and a helmet on her, she's just not physically built to tackle NFL kick returners. It's just It just would not be a smart decision.
1: Quite frankly, I wouldn't want my kicker anyway it, to
0: tackle the kick returner. Yeah, but, list. like, you need to have some, like, that's another no. reason why Vinatieri probably doesn't do it. It's just, like, he's old, you know, you could get him hurt by doing that. You need a younger person doing that, and you... Carly, yeah, that's just not... You don't want to see that. Not an American hero.
1: Real fast, rapid reaction, because I just learned this. Uh, Kansas City Royals owner David Glass is negotiating sale of team to local businessman John Sherman for more than $1 billion, tweets ESPN's Jeff Passan. Yeah. $1 billion for the Kansas City Royals. Pirates? Billion-dollar franchise? Would would, uh, a certain person,
0: first name Robert... Take that deal if he was offered it. I mean, I pray. I mean, I think I think the parade for Nutting selling the Pirates would be bigger than the Penguins' last Stanley Cup parade. I am dead serious. If they coordinated it, I think more people would be excited about that because I really do think Pittsburgh cares about baseball. I really do, and they I do. think that that if Nutting, I think if Nutting sold the team, I honestly think they would sell out. 75% of their home games the following year. Even if they weren't competitive. If you got an owner that came in and they're... What? What? They actually might out of... I'm, de- I'm dead serious. You do not... Never, never discount the level of petty that Pittsburgh will bring to the table, man. Never. Yeah. There will be yinzers who literally will buy the tickets and they will give every ticket away just to be like an F you to Bob Nutting. It's like when... um. It's like when, I forget what country it was, they had hostages, American hostages, and as soon as Jimmy Carter was out of office, like, Ronald Reagan got inaugurated. And then, Uh, like, is Iran? Yeah, it
1: was the, it was Iran, and that's, uh, it was at the, like, last couple days of Carter's presidency.
0: Yeah, and as soon as Reagan was inaugurated, they, like, released them. And they just, they did that just so Jimmy Carter couldn't be in office for that. Like, That's the most petty thing, I think, in the history of the world. Second, right behind that, would be Yenzers. (laughs) Just buying season ticket packages the day after Bob Nutting sold the team. They could sell it to basically anyone. Anyone aside from Antonio Brown buying that team, people would pack it. It would be great. It's not going to happen, though. I'm not going to get my hopes up. It would be be smart for him to do so, because I I really start... as clueless as I think he has been in the past about the, the public relations of the team, uh, I'm I really starting to think he gets the point that everyone hates him. And I, I I think that it would make sense for him to literally become a billionaire if he just sold the team. But it's not going to happen. I just can't allow myself to even get hope.
1: I, I'm not a billionaire. I do not know how billionaires
0: think. DK but... not paying you that well? No, not yet. Uh, but... <laughs> I can't
1: imagine why someone who... Public image is important whenever you're a billionaire.
0: Especially when you own media companies.
1: Yeah, especially media companies. And you keep hearing how the parts aren't earning actually that much money. Why would you take all of this bullshit to make no
0: money? Yes. Take your money and run, Bob. Take your ball and go home. We'll find another one.
1: Yeah, and and looking past the fact that you know, the next owner would probably just do the same thing. They're never going. Pirates will never have that goodwill. Golly gee, I just want to win no matter. what. Mark we'll Cuban, the, baby. No, uh, <laughs> Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban doesn't run businesses like that. I know he's the dream guy, but it, it, it's as much as frustrations as the Pirates fans have of Bob Nutting, the best case scenario. Besides, you know, the the dream of, you know, they don't care about profits. The best-case scenario, I don't think it's that much better. I think I think it's more a problem with Major League Baseball in its current state as a whole, punishing yeah. poor team. I, I think I, I, the gap rapidly expanding, and it's been rapidly expanding ever since the late 90s.
0: I think if the Pirates got a new owner that tried to go all-in, I think you would see more of a similarity between when the Marlins got sold and their owner tried to go all in and they immediately blew it up right afterward because they were like, oh, yeah, we're not built to do this compared to uh, like when the Cubs got sold and they immediately won a World Series.
1: Marlins' new ownership immediately blew it up.
0: No, no. I'm not talking about Jeter and everybody. I'm talking the ownership before that when they sold... What? That was Loria but when they got, I'm telling you, when they bought the team, they hired Aussie Guillen, uh, or Jose Guillen or whatever his name is, the guy who used to manage the White Sox, and they they signed Josh Johnson and and all those guys, and it just imploded halfway through that's the season. Loria, Loria became owner at beginning of
1: the 2003 season. They just got the new stadium, so that's why they invested.
0: I'm not talking 20. I'm not talking 2003. I thought they had a different owner
1: either, but that was Jeffrey Lawyer who did the investing. He signed Jose Reyes. He signed Mark yeah. Burley. He's, that group, that was still Jeffrey Lawyer. That wasn't new ownership. That was a new
0: stadium. Oh, And that was
1: the condition. He had to pretend... Well, to just forget
0: good. everything I said then, Alex. What's your final thoughts?
1: My final thoughts? Yes. Jeffrey Lawyer is a bad person who should be scrummed from baseball history. But
0: what a terrible plight on this game. But not Derek Jeter, though. My captain. And Jeter's Jeets is not as, Jeets will
1: never be as bad as Jeffrey Laura. Damn right. Bob Dunning is not as bad as Jeffrey Laura. Jeffrey Laura is, unless you want to go to, like, literal Nazi Marge shot, you know, type of deals, one of the worst owners in the history of sports.
0: Dude, have you read Rick Riley's story on her? Like, it, like, like, one of the best Sports Illustrated features of all time?
1: I'm going to need to now.
0: Look it up just Google Rick Riley Marge shot. It's like the famous one where she's like praying on the cover of sports illustrated or whatever. It is one of the best feature stories you'll ever read. I'm dead. I mean, it is incredible. I'm excited. He was on part of my take like months ago and they talked about all of his famous features. Like he traveled with the dream team, but he wrote his his Marge shot ones. Like it's like his Sergeant peppers. Like it's like, you know, like his, his, best work of art even though I don't think Sgt. Peppers is the Beatles best album, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yep. uh, but yeah like I highly recommend reading it. It is incredible. I would if I could have dinner with five people in baseball history, she would hands down be one of them and it wouldn't be for good reasons. like I just would want I just would want to see how she would react during the dinner. Like the other four would be like famous broadcasters are like Clemente, Jackie Robinson. But, like, Marge Schott would be on that list just so I, I – I mean, she could not be this bad. But I think she is. And I talked to another friend who actually knew her, uh, who I worked with in the media. His name is uh, Jack Sorencic, and he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of friends on that 90s front office – that 90s Reds front office. And he was like, people would literally leave. It said this in the story. Someone left the Reds front office in a prominent role – to work for the minor league hockey team Cincinnati had, and they, like, almost doubled his salary. She was that awful. She was that cheap. Anyway, good final thoughts. Alex, good episode. Um, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next week. Let's go Bucks. All right, man. I'll see you later.
1: See you. Do they have geckos up in
0: your neck of the woods? Yeah, they have geckos all over the place. Alright, cool. Just All wanted to make sure. Alright, man. I'll talk to you later. See you. Bye. Alright, guys. So, Alex just hang- hung up. Um, before the episode ends, I wanted to take some time to uh, give him a little bit more hype about this opportunity that he landed with DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, Alex would never say this because he's super humble. But I totally will say it because he's a great friend of mine, and I think he's one of the most talented writers in the Pirates press box. He has worked so hard for this. A guy, he has grinded, he has started from, you know, writing for websites where less than 50 people were probably reading his articles, getting paid, you know, what you would spend a weekend on beer. He would get paid a month. You know, for those websites, and that was early, early on, before he had a credential. But that's how he got his start, and the guy has worked so hard for this opportunity. And as his friend, as his podcast co-host, you know, and as a fan of his writing, uh, it's it's just been an honor to watch him progress in these last couple years since I've met him. I remember talking to him earlier this year, early in the season, and he was kind of getting discouraged about how things were going with everything that was going on with Buck's Dugout. And he kind of hinted at the fact that, you know, maybe he needed to start taking away some of his focus he was directing toward writing about baseball and looking toward other avenues to make his money. And I don't know if he would ever give up on writing baseball, but I kind of got that vibe that the dream was kind of wearing thin with him. But, but I'm so glad he didn't because he is so talented and he works so hard and he's so passionate and he is just, he's going to do great things there. And uh, I'm, I could not be more proud of him as his co-worker and his buddy. So read his stuff, subscribe for him, and uh, just enjoy the talent that he brings to the table. And I, I just can't wait to watch him take off from this opportunity. He's going to be a name that you're not only going to be reading in Pittsburgh, but nationally, I believe, in 10 years from now. He's going to be one of those guys that people our age refer to um, when they're inspired to get into this business. And, uh, I mean, he is that good. I I, don't, I honestly think it. He's gotten so much better even this year and i'm excited to see where this opportunity takes him moving forward so congrats to him congrats to Dejon for landing an incredible writer and congrats to me for this guy allowing me to continue to bully him on this podcast and uh i doubt he even hears this because he never listens to the episodes all the way through because that's just a total alex move he's self-conscious about that kind of stuff i guess but if he does, just want to say congrats to him. I would have felt bad if I didn't give him the proper praise that he deserved. So thanks for listening. Give Alex a proper shout out. And uh, as always, let's go, Bucks.